Welcome back to the Dolls Gang Podcast, and we have another special guest on here for, for you today. It is part number three of Mile City and Glendive Guys talking on a podcast here. It has been a minute since I last recorded an episode, but we have a new one on here for you today. There are a lot of ways you can describe this man, the father of a Blue Hawk student-athlete and West Point graduate, the Blue Hawk Associate Athletic Director and Offensive Coordinator, Brock Osweiler's high school head coach, and the last Glendive head coach to walk out of Mile City victorious. Please welcome Dickinson State Offensive Coordinator Russell McCarvel to the show. Coach, thanks for coming on. Zach, thanks. Appreciate you having me. Appreciate you coming over to my office. And, uh, of course, this will... uh, uh, it's always good to have a Miles City Cowboy and a Glendive Red Devil sit down to break a little bread. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. Now, um, one of the things I brought up before we got on here, um, now, um, what was I going to say here? Um, okay, we were talking about, like the last time you were on here talking about some of this stuff, you know, you were kind of on like TV talking about it, so um, you were just about to come here to take the job here at Dickinson State so what what kind of what element was it that you kind of decided well obviously you're still here to this day that you decided after coaching high school kids for a lot of years I kind of want to move up to the college level and kind of get that rolling well um my son had already been my son Connor had already been um recruited by coach Stanton and um and gave him a scholarship and had signed here and a few months after that there was some movement on the coaching staff here, and uh, some offensive coaches had left, and I, I gave Coach Stan a call. He and I have been friends uh, a long time, uh, go way back with the Stanton family. And, um, you know, I had enough years in the Montana Teachers Retirement System that I could uh, collect a couple dollars from teachers' retirement and a uh, called Coach Stan and just asked if, um, you know, it would be worth it to apply or if he had some people already in mind, and he encouraged me to apply. And, um, you know, I was just kind of ready for a new challenge to really focus uh, a little more on uh, just football. And I didn't really get out of teaching because I was burnt out of teaching by any means, but... um, Upon leaving the classroom, I would definitely say that um, I I was ready to leave the classroom. Again, not because I was burnt out. I still enjoyed it. I had great kids um, at Helena Capital that I taught and and enjoyed the people there. Teaching is a great profession. Um, But just thought it might be time to try something different. And uh, it's turned out to be a great decision. I know it turned out to be a great decision for Connor to come here. Uh, he'll be graduating on Sunday, uh, excuse me, Saturday, I guess, and uh, flying into town Friday. But uh, really just uh, ended up being a great, uh, great thing. And uh, credit to the players we have here, the coaches we have, Coach Stanton, and really the rest of the athletic staff and the Dickinson State community. A lot of great people here. Yeah, so um, along with the – yeah, I- Offensive coordinator, which I guess at the time it was when you first came, it was like running back coach. But um, so, yeah, how long have you had the associate AD title? 
Well, that's been since I got here. Um, it really started kind of small and was probably good that it started small. And uh, I would say some things have expanded with my uh, knowledge and comfort of, of things. It's really uh, more of a catch-all, you know, can you you know, be a game day supervisor and a few other little odds and ends. And, and uh, you know, when Coach Stanton or the athletic department needs some help with different things. So the amount of uh, things that I've done has probably expanded a little bit again with, with my comfort to that part of the job. But uh, we just got finished with a big weekend as we hosted the uh, conference softball and baseball tournaments. And I had spent... Uh, my time over at the uh, softball, the brand new Sanford Sports Complex and uh, at the softball tournament and enjoyed, uh, you know, being a small part of helping run that tournament. Good stuff. Um, so now, so your coaching career, obviously, well-traveled, goes back a long way from eastern Montana to western Montana to multiple different states. Um, when was it? As I understand, it was kind of dating back to your high school days and even like going into college kind of when you decided mentoring young kids is what I, I want to do. Yeah, um, for me, uh, after my first year of college, my old head coach, Jim Person, who was a longtime Red Devil coach, asked me before I left for college if I would help the freshman team out. And at that time at MSU, uh, in the quarter system, uh, we didn't report to school until September and so uh, I coached uh, the freshman help with the freshman team for about five six weeks and really just uh, enjoyed the heck out of it uh, and always you know loved sports was always um, <laughs> maybe more knowledge about about the game uh, than I was an actual player that's for sure, and that would be true for uh, many sports that I played, but just kind of fell in love with it and decided when I left that I wanted to be a teacher coach and, and got that journey going then when I went back to MSU. Yeah, so well, one more question before I get into kind of like the stops that you made. Were you a math teacher every year that you've like been a coach at the high school level or yep. at every place you've been at? Yep, I was a math teacher. Uh, really... That was, those were my favorite classes when I was in high school. I enjoyed school a lot, and um, I guess in a way I just kept going for a long time. Nice. So, as I understand, so when you got out of college, um, was your was it like? As I understand, you made stops in Malta and Glasgow at one point when Glasgow was still in Class A. Malta obviously has been Class B for as long as it has existed. Um, they yep. were Class A briefly. In yeah, fact, in, in the, the 70s, yeah. In the state championship game in 77. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and then the whole Northern A dropped. So, yeah. Was Malta your first coaching stop? Yeah, that was my first job. Um, I had applied there, and the week of finals, I drove over to Malta. Other than passing through it, it was my first time in Malta. I didn't know anybody and interviewed for the job and they uh, offered it to me before I left town and um, I took it um, and it was a great place to start. Number one, I ended up meeting my wife um, and so that part was great, still have friends in Malta. And number two, I got a chance to really 
uh, grow under Scott King, uh, who's a Hall of Fame coach. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was really, um, it was a great stop for me. And I've continued uh, friendships from there. And, of course, family uh, being there. So Malta will always have a great place in my heart. It was a great stop. It's like sometime in the late 80s, early 90s, somewhere in there. Now, um, so like when was your first year in Glasgow, which would have been after that? The fall of 1990, um, Glasgow was where I student taught. I got a chance to, uh, my dad lived there, um, and so it was really kind of a nice little quick stop. Um, moved to the high school, um, battled some foes in the Eastern A, and then from there went to be the defensive coordinator at Laurel High School, um, Bob Connors, a Glasgow legend. Uh, invited me to come down. He had just kind of got the job uh, a couple years prior to that and was looking for coaches. And, and it was, uh, I would say, one of the most out of my comfort zones move uh, to go and be a defensive coordinator, but learned a lot those three years. We won the very first uh, playoff game in Laurel history in the uh, fall of 1994 beating at that time number one ranked or maybe one or two ranked Butte Central. Butte Central. RJ Olson. Yep that that was the crew and uh, really I, I actually have still uh, bumped into players on that team even within the last uh, three four months and so um, that was a great group of kids great group of coaches and then from there um, I got a call from uh, some people in Glendive and had the opportunity to come back and and ended up becoming the head coach there, and that was a great five years. And, of course, that kind of brings us to where, uh, you know, your talking point, okay, yeah, uh, which yeah. is uh, 1996. We, we ended up kind of stealing one there at Denton Field. Yep. Um, so, yeah, when was your first year in Glendive? As I understand, it was – as offensive coordinator, right? Right. Like how many fall years? Fall of 1995. I was the offensive coordinator one year before I moved into the head coaching role. Um, and uh, th that year we actually lost to the Cowboys in the state championship 13-12. The week before, we had won in the semifinals on a great drive. Um, current head coach Ryan Buckley put together a great late drive. We... We scored with seconds to go and went for two and got it against Butte Central. Um, so another good win in Butte. Those are hard to come by. And uh, beat Butte Central and then ended up losing uh, really a hard-fought battle uh, versus the Cowboys the next uh, week, 13-12. Yeah, which um, I'll get to 96 here in a little bit. Obviously, yeah. Um, there, there were, there was actually a video on Facebook of that game that SWX did just a few years back. Actually, um, I'll have to show you at some time. But um, anyway, we kind of fast forward there into the 2000s. When was your first year in Kalispell? Uh, 2006. So 2005, I was at Carroll College. We won the national championship. I was coaching running backs, and then. 2006, um, there was going to be a, a new high school built, and it was one year away, and uh, I thought it was a great opportunity to become a head coach again, so I, I was there one year as an assistant, 
and then a majority of the staff went to uh, Glacier High School, and then myself and uh, a couple others uh, stayed and just tried to kind of rebuild uh, the coaching staff part of it, but we did have great tradition and we had the returning of Brock Osweiler and some other really good players and uh, really had a two uh, you know really good years Brock was such a hard worker he was a phenomenal um, athlete the spring of his sophomore year was really when the the school shift started to happen and and he had come to me and asked what I thought about you know, maybe sending out some videos to different schools. And at that time, he had already had a offer uh, to play basketball at Gonzaga. And um, when he said that he wanted to send some back then CDs, now, you know, nowadays people just send everything over uh, huddle on huddle. Um, but he made some highlight CDs and he wanted to send it to uh, Alabama, Florida State, Stanford, Arizona State. He probably named about eight, ten schools like that. And, of course, for kids from Montana, that's generally kind of a pipe dream to to have the reality of sending it to those schools. And yet, really, it made perfect sense. And, and I started to quickly get phone calls from people like Jimbo Fisher, uh, who was the uh, offensive coordinator at Florida State at the time. And uh, Alabama had Jim McElwain, uh, former Montana State coach, former Montanan. Um, he, he visited with me at Stanford. Um, coach Jim Harbaugh called me. And uh, Arizona State and then, you know, everybody in the Mountain West, et cetera, et cetera, those kind of schools. Um, lots of phone calls, but those were the four schools that really right away it showed quick interest and that Brock had, you know, kind of maybe shown more interest in. And, and uh, from there, the, the recruiting process was on. I mean, it was uh, full bore. I literally kept a uh, list of names and phone numbers on my whiteboard in my math room of people that were calling uh, my room because it was always extensive and uh, really enjoyed my time there, uh, you know, specifically as it pertains to Brock, which is what you asked about. He was great to uh, coach, big, strong, fast, but also, you know, also tremendously, uh, tremendous work ethic and a great goal setter. He knew that he wanted to be in the NFL. He didn't walk around and talk about it, but he knew it. And so he, he worked towards that. Uh, once he decided he was going to play college football, um, he was dialed into that. And he was a guy that did extra footwork, did extra weight room stuff, uh, watched his diet and did those things. And, and uh, he was awesome. He really was. Absolutely. And, um, so obviously, um, you know, high school athletics, you know, like different states, you know, um, obviously, and I've been here and I've, I've seen these type of guys, um, you know, what, what kind of element was it, you know, kind of when you, what moment was it when you first saw this kid, 
Like you, you know, you could watch him and say, oh my, this kid's a little bit different and on a little bit different level than anyone else. This kid's going places. He threw a corner route when he was a sophomore right on the dot and the ball was in the air about 55 yards uh, for a touchdown and that was probably one of the most impressive throws I'd ever seen and it was coming from a high school sophomore so um, I mean he was really great uh, from the moment I was there Um, you know I wasn't his head coach as a sophomore coach Grady Bennett was but um, I mean, he was great from the jump when I when I got there. It was uh, great to, to watch him do his thing. And then when I got a chance to take over and, and you know, I think we enjoyed kind of, you know, making some subtle changes and things we did that were maybe carry over from what I had done at, or what I had learned at Carroll College and, and things like that, uh, where we had a unbelievable quarterback there named Tyler Emmert. Uh, you know, for sure one of the top quarterbacks Montana has ever had. I realize he didn't have the kind of pro career, but his record's uh, uh, unmatched. When he left Carroll College, he was the all-time NAIA total yardage leader and won four national titles and two state titles, et cetera. So his resume is tremendous. Um, So we brought some of the things, or I brought some of the things from – the passing game that Nick Howlett had developed at, at Carroll into uh, Flathead, and, and Brock was a great student of the game, took right to it, and, and uh, loved loved scheming, loved talking ball. Yeah, and so just a second ago, you brought up Tyler Emmert. Uh, now, obviously, yeah, argu- arguably the top NAIA passer to ever set foot in the NAIA, and especially at Carroll College. Uh so, and as I understand, um, you know, you know, you talk about how like all time great he was. Um, whereas, um, I, I hear, I often hear like, like we often, we could sit, sit all day and talk about some incredible, almost unbreakable sports stats. Now, as I understand that is something that kind of applied to him at the NAI level in the mid two thousands. Yeah, he ended his career as a 70% passer, 70% passing, uh, over 70%. He was a four-year starter. I mean, if you go, you know, 21 of 30, 70% in a game, one game, people would think that was pretty good. If you did it for a three, four-game stretch, be like, wow, 70% for four games. That's amazing. Well, he did it for four years. I mean, uh, his accuracy. Now, I, I, I do think people have probably maybe broken that record. I haven't checked. The passing game is, you know, different than it was in 2005 in terms of, you know, more bubble screens, shorter. The RPO game has lifted people's percentages but still 70 percent is 70 percent um and he was also a tremendous leader tremendous film watcher he had great anticipation uh he really was unbelievable to be around nice and then obviously going into i guess in between that stint at kalispell and 
obviously where you are now, Helena Capital. How many seasons were you the offensive coordinator there? Um, well, three and then parts of my first year there, uh, I started calling the plays. Our, my last three years there, we, we made it to the uh, state semifinals each year. Couldn't quite get over the top, um, but really enjoyed the staff there. The uh, tradition of toughness and great football at Helena Capital is, is as good as anybody's, that's for sure. And, you know, had some great wins there. Worked for both Pat Murphy my first year there and then Kyle Mahelish the next three. And uh, Coach Mahelish is, uh, last this past season won his first state championship there. And, um, you know, not a, not a real surprise. They had a very quality team, and he's done a great job there. Um, and uh, a lot of fun to be there. It was a lot of fun to play in that atmosphere, and, and it was a lot of fun. You know, Helena's a great, great football town. Also uh, a great place for my boys. They really enjoyed their time at Capitol, both boys. Nice. Um, it's ironic, you know, that one school's won 13 state titles. The other school, Crosstown's been in state title games but hasn't even won. But um, Yeah, and it's really yeah. uh, it's hard to put your finger on, um, but uh, Helena High you know, has had a lot of good players for sure. Oh, yeah. but, but no question, Capital uh, Capital owns that mm. one. Yep, and um, all right. So now kind of the moment, you've kind of been anticipating this. Um, that newspaper article that, that I emailed is right in front of us on the screen there. But it is a normal, nice October evening in 1996 and I think Miles City hadn't clinched a playoff berth yet you guys pretty much had it was just a matter of seating at that point but t tell me about that night well uh, to be honest I would say that uh, first of all your description of the night is very true I would say that um, um, more of my vivid memories of that night come from the latter parts of the game uh, we were trying to make up a deficit, and um, quarterback um, uh, Kevin Clausen, who's a coach over in Sydney right now, uh, threw an unfortunate interception um, with just a little bit over two minutes to go, and in fact, uh, out of frustration, ended up pushing uh, whoever intercepted the pass into the outfield wall, which was a little ways away from the field uh, or from the out of bounds. And so they tacked on another 15 yards. And, um, you know, at that point, to be honest, I was concerned about losing a big seating spot and, and called timeout and went out to the huddle. And, and Nick Morosco would verify that I kind of told everyone, hey, we we got to keep them out. I'm a little worried about seating here, fellas. You know, we we were not really in good position at that point to win the game. And, um, man, probably uh, Coach Roloff, to a fault, uh, wanted to kind of stick it on the Red Devils. And instead of uh, running out the clock with their good running game, he decided to throw the ball, and we intercepted a pass. And on the first uh, play, we ran a little uh, pump and go to Bryce Harrison. Coach Brad Nisley had kind of talked about it and drew it up on the sidelines, and, and we picked up a long touchdown. Uh, Bryce Harrison was a kid that uh, didn't play football up until his senior year, and uh, 
literally called me up the night before um, the first day of practice. He, wow. he called me up Sunday night and asked if I thought it was a good idea. And Bryce was an outstanding basketball player and a great athlete. And um, and so we ran a little pump and go and threw a, a long touchdown pass and bang, we were back in it. Uh, we had two timeouts left and we didn't hardly take any time off the clock. So made the decision to kind of pooch kick it deep and, and kicked it deep and then held them held them quickly, used our timeouts and got a couple passes and then we uh, literally threw a fade to the end zone and Bryce did a great job kind of holding off the DB a little bit and using his body and using his basketball skills and and uh, and there it was, we scored and, and so here's a kid that uh, you know hadn't played any high school football and, and not, not one minute of it, not one down and uh, I remember in the convenience store uh, on our way home, I said, Bryce, I'm sure glad you came out for football this year. I'm sure glad you called me a Sunday night. Um, you know, it was a great celebration. And, um, you know, we were, uh, we were ecstatic. You know, uh, as much of a rivalry as it is, there haven't been, even at that time, uh, as many wins as the Red Devils would like up to that point. The previous few years um so uh it was a great win we squibbed it and and uh there wasn't much time left so held on for the victory i know i i told everyone to grab two handfuls of grass as we headed to the bus because uh, there weren't many wins on denton field so uh pretty much all of us grabbed yeah. two big handfuls of grass and took them on the bus yeah. with us you'll have to remind ryan buckley to do the same thing if that streak happens to end this year. I, I, I've already told Parker Buckley, hey, if the streak ends this year, we are doing a, an emergency podcast episode <laughs> right here, right now. But, um, you know, you said, like, when Miles said he had the ball, like, kind of deep in, in your guys' territory, it's unlike him to th throw a pass, like, on first down, so to speak, because he's known as a – he doesn't pass much. He, he was never really much of a guy that liked to run a passing offense, regardless of whether the talent on the team was a, a passing-type team or not. So that, that kind of, that you could say that's a surprising play call right there. For sure. I mean, I think the thing about the Miles City passing game over the years was always um, not a lot of attempts, but a high, high percentage for a lot of yards. You know, I mean – I couldn't tell you how many times Gary Lucas threw, but it always seemed like every time I checked the paper on Saturday morning, you know, Gary Lucas was eight for 11 for 175 yards and three or four touchdowns. And <clears throat> so that was kind of the Miles City MO. So although it was a surprising call, in a way it wasn't because he probably thought we were going to absolutely sell out which we probably were, um, but he probably thought he was going to have somebody running wide open, would be able to fire off the cannon one more time and, and really stick it to the Red Devils. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, especially considering you had Jace Wagner and Scott Mulhoy. Um, yeah. Miles City's always been known for super athletic QBs, you know, having speed on the outside. So, again, I, I wouldn't say that I was shocked that he threw it, um, and again, I'm I'm sure he was looking to tack on and uh, get that cannon going one more time, Glenn Dye's way. I know 
when we threw our interception, we we had Glendive fans leave left. Wow. They, they did they did not know um, that we had won the game. Um, wow. So you could say that sounds like Miles City in the playoffs a couple times, once against Haver, and probably several years before that against Dylan. But um, I was at both those games, by the way. Now since then. Obviously, two years later, you had another chance to pull out a victory, but couldn't quite get it done. That was an overtime game. Um, but how has the rivalry like kind of transpired over the previous, the, the following 26 years? Where Miles City, like the streak started before I was born. It continues to this day. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, part of it for me is I've been away from it for a long time. You know, I, I, I guess I would kind of maybe say I was, I'm a little closer to it now, recruiting Eastern Montana, parts of Eastern Montana, and so on. So I see it a little more. But when I left Glendive uh, in the summer of 2001 for Carson City, Nevada, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I kept close ties. So I, I, I might not be the one to. To give you a handful of reasons, I would definitely say that uh, that uh, Miles City has continued to be really good over that time, and Glendive just has has struggled at times. But um, I, I know when we won in eighty in ninety uh, six and came close in ninety eight, I don't really think that um, myself or probably anyone else thought that. Those would be the last of the victories, and and really, I mean, you could probably tell me. I doubt there's been, sadly, even many, too many one-score games. Sadly, it's been a, yeah. a fair amount of, uh, of, you know, victories by the Cowboys uh, by a solid margin. Yeah, the three in a row when Mike Person played for him, though, um, and. Um, Still, still an enjoyable game to watch. Um, For sure, Miles yeah. City. Both both places have great atmospheres, have great fields, um, and and great fans. Great, great, um, you know, people that are very passionate about high school sports, high school football, and, and so both places are, are, you know, a great place to go to a game. All right. Yeah. So I guess one or at least one of the final questions I'll end on is. Um, so, so how long now have you been at this coaching? Uh, next year will be my 37th or 38th season. You, you caught me off guard. Let's see, 30, 31. Yeah, next year will be my 38th fall, uh, straight fall of coaching um, football. It started in the fall of 87 when I was a student assistant in Glasgow. Awesome. Well, Coach, thanks for coming on the show, and maybe uh, maybe one of these times I'll have to have you on again, all right? Sounds good, Zach. Thanks for having me, buddy.